Hello there, and thanks for joining me today with the podcast. Very important topic. Teenage depression. Depression among our teenagers. You know, this is an issue, and this is a problem that's greater today than ever before in our history. Our kids today, our teenagers, are subjected to situations and events and uh, temptations that have depressing effects on them more than ever in history. And we as parents and as adults and as professionals, whether it be teachers or physicians or psychologists or youth workers or whatever, we as professionals need to be very keenly attuned to the possibility of depression in any and all teenagers we come in contact with. Now, in a recent article by the Medscape Medical News, I was enlightened on some of the guidelines and some of the messages that are being conveyed to medical practitioners and getting them to be much more aware of teenage depression and to take constructive action. And it was good to see that particular article. But you know, it doesn't apply to physicians only. Anyone that has contact with a child that's 12 years of age and older, we're talking about teenage depression, the potential for it, the possibility of it. And we as professionals need to be alert and pay attention to the signs and the symptoms of the possibility of depression and take whatever action is indicated or is suggested. Whether we be a teacher or youth liquor, youth worker or a pastor or a physician or some kind of a counselor or an adult neighbor or obviously parent. When you have a kid that's 12 years of age and older you start looking for signs of depression. Now unfortunately this about only half of these kids are ever evaluated and noted to have depression. About half of them. And then only about a third of them actually get treatment. So, you know, we have a lot of kids running around <laughs> with different levels of depression and different signs that depression is present in their life and we're not identifying them. We're not picking it up because we're not paying attention to it. Now every time a parent takes a child to the doctor, we take them for um, school evaluations, school physicals, we take them for sports uh, physicals, we take them when they have colds and flus and other things that happen to them, we take them when they have an injury, you know, we take them whenever we have some kind of a uh, physical that's necessary. Even going to camp is often required a physical. And a doctor on those occasions should not look at that child as a child that's just being evaluated whether they can play sports or not. That child should be evaluated as to whether there are signs of depression present or not, in addition to whatever physical is uh, conducted. 12 years of age and older. So we can't rely on doctors. 
We can't wait for doctors to take the initiative. We can't just depend on doctors to know that they'll evaluate our kids for this. They're busy, in and out, spend an average of less than seven minutes with most patients, and don't think about all the broader spectrum, such as depression in teenagers. So that's where you as a parent come in, is to say to your doctor, your, phys your physician, my kid needs a sports physical, but at the same time I want you to evaluate him for the possible signs of depression. When you take your kid to a doctor because he has a cold or a flu or he's injured himself in some way, you tell that doctor, yes, I want you to, to treat and evaluate him for whatever is wrong, but I also want you to look for signs of depression and let me know. You see, as a parent, you're the advocate. As a parent, you're the one that takes the initiative. You're the, it's your responsibility as a parent, more than it is the doctor's. So speak up. Communicate that to the doctor so that that evaluation can be done in a professional atmosphere, in a professional manner. But you know, you can say the same thing to your teachers, to the kids' teachers. You know, if you have a child 12 years of age and older, it'd be very right and proper for you to have a little interview with your teachers, with the kids' teachers, and say, now look at when you teach these kids during this year, I want you to look for any signs of depression. And if so, I want you to alert me. I'll take care of the responsibility, but I just want you to alert me of your concern or that you've noticed that there are signs of depression that might occur sometime during the course of the year. Now, 12 years, kids, these are kids in 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th year, 11th grade, 12th grade. So teachers can be asked to be alert for the signs of depression. They know what the signs of depression are. They've been educated into that. But they often forget because they're teaching and they get all the subjects to teach and all the paperwork they have to do and all the rest, and they forget your kid may be a depressed kid. They forget that your kid may be not be performing at grade level, not because he doesn't know how, but because he's depressed and isn't putting forth the motivation and putting forth the effort. If your kid's in church and has a youth leader, you know, it's your job as a parent to say to that youth leader, while you're interacting with my kid this year, keep your eye open for signs of depression. If so, you want, I want you to let me know, and we'll take care of it. But let me know if you have any concern for, your, for the child having depression or possibility of it. Now, youth leaders aren't particularly trained in depression, but they get a little bit of education and training in some of these signs of emotional distress. So as a parent, take that initiative and make sure that the professionals in your life, the professionals in the child's life, Check your child out for the possibility of depression and bring it to your attention so that you can do something about it. Now, let me just give you a couple signs of depression. You know, there, there's many, many, many signs of depression. But when there's change in behavior, that is, a kid's been sleeping well, all of a sudden not sleeping well. Change, kid's been eating pretty well, all of a sudden not eating very well. Been happy child positive, pleasant, and all of a sudden now is grumpy and negative and critical and hostile. I mean, that's a sign that possibility there's depression going on. Or something going on in the life of that child that is creating a sense of depression or emotional change. That's one. Here's another one. If your child all of a sudden is becoming more isolated, spending more time in his room, her room, time away from friends, 
not wanting to participate in family activities, eats and then leaves and goes to his room. In other words, withdraws and isolates. Watch it. That's a sign of depression. Okay? Your child, number three, if your child becomes kind of critical, sarcastic, mean-spirited, hostile, angry, you know, a sign of depression. Something's going on in that child's life that's making him unhappy and very ill-tempered. So check it out. Talk to the kid. Talk to your child. If it helps, good. If it doesn't, then find your somebody for the child to talk to. Now, what does that brings up this issue? Who do you go to? Where does a parent seek help? Well, I just gave you some teachers, youth leaders, physicians, psychologists, anybody that knows the child is certainly somebody that you can ask. Are you concerned? Have you seen anything that I should be aware of? Okay. You can ask those kind of questions. Now, where do you start? Well, a lot of people think they should start with the physician. Well, that may be true, but not necessarily is that the case. Now, if you as a family have a good relationship with a physician, your child knows the physician, the physician knows your child, yeah, that might be a good place to start. Start with somebody your kid knows and trusts and is comfortable with. But if you have a doctor that doesn't know your child at all, or you don't even know the doctor very much, and there's not much of a history of a relationship, that's not the place to start. When you're concerned about depression, you don't start with somebody who's unknown necessarily to your kid. You might want to start with a youth worker where your kid knows somebody, a pastor that maybe your kid knows. And then you maybe bring in the physician into the formula. Then you bring in the psychologist into the formula. And ultimately, what you want to bring, if your kid is depressed and you find depression, and it's a, it's a, it's a real possibility, then a teamwork, a collaborative effort of teamwork between a physician and a psychologist is your best combination. You don't have to start with one or the other. You can start with wherever it's comfortable and wherever it's possible. But you've got to involve both. A physician in the sense that if there is need for medication, that's where the medication will be prescribed and will come from. And that's about the only role a physician will play. Maybe give you a couple guidelines, but basically he'll, he'll want to know whether medication should be tried. He'll ask you as a parent, what do you think? Or he'll say, discuss it with the psychologist and then let the psychologist let me know. I do that all the time communicate with physicians and advise them as to possibility of medication and which medications to use and, and so on that might be helpful. So psychologists are known for that and are able to do that. So you want to involve the psychologist, but the physician is there in case medication is needed. Now we usually think of medication as something that you do for two, three months and then phase it out and see how it goes. You start with a very, very mild dosage level a very child's level of dosage. And move it up if you have to, but keep it very, very low, just to take the edge off. And then involve the psychologist for counseling sessions. And you want to have about five to ten counseling sessions. And then see where we are at that point in time. Those are often done weekly or every other week. Unless there's really a need for intense treatment because there's a crisis in some way. But usually a week or two weeks apart is kind of a good... And you give somebody for your kid to talk to. Give somebody and your kid to just unfold and to explore areas of conflict and areas of tension and, 
areas of difficulty. That's how a team works. And a team like that works very well and very efficiently and very effectively, you see. And giving permission for the doctor, the physician, and the doctor psychologist to talk to each other and communicate and work together with you over the course of a program of maybe six to eight weeks in length, maybe longer if necessary, you see? So for the best outcome, get it early, 12 or older, for the best outcome, work together with the professionals in the child's life, teachers, pastors, youth workers, physicians, coaches, psychologists, who's ever in that child's life, make sure they all are aware and they're all on the same page and all looking for evidence of something serious or something that's good and getting better. Okay? So make sure that you take the initiative. You're the coach. You're the manager. You're the leader of the team as a parent. Don't rely on the doctor to take the lead. Don't rely on some pastor to take the lead. You take the lead. You set the appointments. You do the follow-up. You make sure that when somebody says they're going to do something, that they do it. Write them a letter. Call them. Email them. If somebody says they're going to give you an article to read, then make sure they do it. If somebody says, I'll see your kid again in two or three weeks, make sure they do it. It's easy to get caught in all the busyness of the day and your child gets lost in the shuffle. Don't let it happen. It's your responsibility as a parent to make sure that your kid gets treatment, that your kid gets attention, your kid gets the help that's necessary, and that you as a parent get the help that's helpful to you. Now, one last point. If your child's in therapy, if your child's getting some help, don't let any therapist talk to your child without ever talking to you as a parent. If that's the case, then go to another therapist. Don't go to that therapist who won't talk to you. You're a family. You're the coach. You're the advocate. You're involved in that child's life. You need guidance. You need help. You need some information. Now, there's rules of, of confidentiality that we, we follow and we're able to handle that. But as a parent, you want to be informed, you want to be kept informed, you want to be involved, you want your questions answered, you want information so that you know what to do and you know how to handle your child in home. And you can pass that on to teachers or anybody else that's working with your child. So don't let anybody have, uh, I'll call it a treatment plan for your child that does not involve you as the parent. Whether your child's 10, or 11, 12, 14, 16, 18, whatever age it is, you as a parent are to be involved. Okay? And then the, the best treatment will be provided. So there you are, teenagers and depression. It's a tough one. Today our kids living in a world of cyberbullying, playground bullying, classroom bullying, you know, that creates depression. We're living in an age of, of marijuana, depression. It either depression brings somebody to marijuana or marijuana creates a depression. We're living in an age where uh, the demands, the stresses, and the expectations on our kids is greater than ever. And some kids fold under that and become depressed. There's all kinds of things going on in the child's life today. Breakups with friends and... Uh, fickle friends and, and so on. We have all that kind of going on. And your, your kid is subject to the depression of these kind of situations 
just as you would be if you were that age. So keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, watch your kid, monitor, stay close, follow, and take action when necessary. Okay? Whenever you get a little question, whenever you're a little concerned, take action. These are the kind of people you need to get involved with. Okay? It can be done. Now, before I let go, I just want you to know about Lehman Lock and Safe. L-E-H-M-A-N. Lehman Lock and Safe. They're in Fresno. They're located at 1080 East Shaw. That's on um, Shaw Avenue by Fresno Street. First Street. First Street. First Street. So um, go see them if you have a problem with a lock, or you need a safe, or you need a new key. Whatever it is, go see him. He's been around for a long time. He's a trusted locksmith. So for your locksmith problems, Lehman's Lock and Safe. Okay? Here's the phone number. You can call him. 228-1805. 228-1805. Okay. That's it for now, and thanks for joining me. Bye for now.